still like something that's closer to the idea of chatting, if you don't like that word. But, I mean, that's okay. what it is. It's a short talk, and that's what chat is, a okay. short talk. Babble, blab, blather. Uh, Gab, gas, gossip. Yep. Rap. Recovery room, rap. Oh, gosh, please don't even. I'm embarrassed just even joking about mm-hmm. it. You think coffee talk or coffee chat or something is too, like... Mm-hmm. Yes. To what? Coffee talk is already a, a skit on Saturday Night Live. It's oh. Coffee talk. It's, yeah, no. Elocution. Honey. Modicum would be better than that. <laughs> I mean, it could be conversations. That's why I said convo at the beginning, because that's a abbreviation for conversation. It is? Yes. Is it well known? I don't know how well known it is. I mean, did you, just, did you just make it up? No. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. Oh, my gosh. Convo. <laughs> so if you heard recovery room convo, you'd think, oh, that's... I would, because I use that term a lot when I'm talking to people online. Well, I don't then let's claim it out. for ourselves. I don't want to write out the word conversation. All right. We can do that. Convo? I guess. All right. Recovery Room Convo. Hello, I'm Tim Tedder. And I'm Sharon Tedder. And this is Recovery Room Convo. Presented by AffairHealing.com. So, Sharon. Yes, Tim. <laughs> How's your week been? Good. Good. We went up to Tennessee, mm-hmm. to Chattanooga area for um, Michaela, your youngest daughter, my stepdaughter. Yep. Her college graduation. Yay. No more college fees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we drove up a nine-hour drive on Friday. And hung out all day Saturday and then drove right back on Sunday. Yeah, with a few family members. Michaela's boyfriend from England. Had yep. a chance to hang out with him. Yes, he's, he's pretty very, cool. very nice. I liked him a lot. Yeah. So now we're back just trying to regroup. We're getting ready to head back into the office tomorrow, see clients. Mm-hmm. And here we are starting a new thing. See yeah. how this goes. Yeah. Let's do it. So what I thought we'd do in these conversations is go into our online forum, the community, mm-hmm. community.affairhealing.com. If you're a listener and haven't been to that yet, it's free to join. We have people all the time posting comments and conversations about different aspects of an affair. Some of these are quite interesting. So we're going to just pull out some of these comments and talk about them. So I came across this post by username Uni79, I think. That's how I would say. The title, Reality versus Fantasy. And here's what this person wrote. Hi, after just getting over an affair and returning to the normality of a good relationship, I can say these types of relationships really screw with your head. I have learned that affairs happen in good relationships. The affair will create the most euphoric highs and heart-wrenching lows, that not even the purest Class A drugs could ever come close to. 
It was easy to get into the affair, but getting out of it was possibly one of the hardest things I have ever done. The pain was unbearable, not necessarily because you are in love with your affair partner, although I thought I was, but because you love you. When you're around that person, you feel beautiful, attractive, smart, absolutely bulletproof. Mm-hmm. Also, a different part that you didn't read just says, you know, you may think you are in control of it, but the simple fact is the nature of this relationship evokes such powerful visual emotions in you that it's possible you will never be the same again. I mean, that is so true. And I talk to clients about that a lot. And they, you know, usually intellectually and on the surface, they feel like they understand that. You know, they say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But just to really understand how powerful that euphoria is, um, I think sometimes it's hard for them to wrap their minds around it. Yeah, I think another member of the community posted just yesterday. Uh, her husband, and once he got into an affair, pretty much said, this has changed me so much, we can never go back to what we were before. Mm, yeah. Well, it's true. And the thing is, you know, there's a biochemical reason for all of that, you know, in your brain, your brain, when you are in love in those first stages, it is releasing drugs that actually are the natural equivalent to when people use meth, amphetamines. Your brain is releasing massive amounts of dopamine and serotonin, norepinephrine, all of those really feel good chemicals. And our brains are made miraculously to release those at the beginning of a relationship, but then also they are supposed to stop releasing so many of those after you've been in a long-term committed relationship. And then the chemicals being released are ones of long-term commitment like oxytocin, you know, very calm bonding chemicals instead. Because the fact is your brain cannot sustain those high emotional chemicals for long periods of time. Yeah, but, but, but when you're in the middle of it, I know. All it feels like is I know. <sighs> yeah. Soulmate. Yes. The best love I've ever experienced. That's right. We this were supposed what, to be oh, together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this other the other person I'm married to or in a relationship with, we're wrong for each other. Because yeah, this is the right one. Yeah. It, it never lasts. No. But every person that comes through our doors that's in an affair, at the beginning stages especially, is convinced that they're unique. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That their experience is, yeah, well, I know stuff's going on in my brain, but this is a matter of the heart. Yes, mm-hmm. that's and right. we have found the love of our life. And I mean, I know because I, ex- I experienced that myself in my mm-hmm. own affair. Mm-hmm. People couldn't convince me that it wasn't what I felt like it was. But, but I, I like what this person says, too, that it really did come to realize that it had a lot more to do with me, how mm-hmm. it made me felt, than my love for the other person. That's right. I just like who I was, mm-hmm. or who I thought I was, how it made me feel, how I saw myself through their eyes yeah. when I was with that person. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, I can come somewhat relate. I've never had an affair in any relationship, but I have definitely been tempted to when I was in a bad marriage previously. You know, there were people that showed me attention and affection that I was not getting from my neglectful then spouse. And yes, I was tempted. So I get that. I get that feeling of like, oh my gosh, I maybe was supposed to be with that person instead. You know, I never acted on it, but I get it. Mm -hmm. You know, I get that feeling. It might be helpful since this is the first time we're doing this for some of the people listening don't know that much about us. And we'll talk more about our relationship maybe down the road. But you and I met after we'd both been previously married. You were married to someone who had an affair. Oh, a bunch of affairs. Okay. And I was, I, my marriage broke apart because of my affair. And I'm pretty open. I talk a lot about that in the website and in mm-hmm. other interviews and so forth. 
What do you say to a spouse that comes in? Maybe a wife who says, I, you know, my husband is in an affair and he's just doubting whether he ever really loved me. Well, I mean, I definitely try to educate the person on the fact that she could have been, I mean, I've said this so many times, she could have been, or he, whoever the betrayed spouse is, could have been the most perfect, amazing, incredible, wonderful person in the world, and the person who has the affair has made their choice. It, they are making choices that don't have to do with some deficit in the betrayed spouse. Not that the betrayed spouses are perfect. That's absolutely impossible. And definitely there are some times that they have done things maybe that aren't great, but it is the choice of the affair partner or the choice of the affair spouse to have the affair because there are many ways they could deal with an unhappy marriage that don't include going out and seeking it elsewhere. And I know that specifically just what I had talked about before. I was in a very unhealthy marriage he was cheating on me. He was neglectful, verbally abusive sometimes. So how could I have dealt with it? I could have said logistically, I can have an affair now. I, I have a right to or whatever. But I chose not to. I said, that's not going to fix anything. That's not going to make it better. So I try to tell betrayed spouses that, you know, not to start comparing themselves to the affair partner, not to start going down that road of like, oh, I caused this. That's my main thing I tell them. They've just got to take care of themselves and have compassion on themselves rather than trying to somehow compete with this euphoria that their spouse is feeling at the moment. So each time we do one of these little convos, you and I maybe share something with listeners, some resource, some idea, some inspirational thing that we've come across that might be helpful to them. And I know in the mornings you've been sharing with me a book you've been reading mm -hmm. called Forgiving for Good. Who's the or author? Just forgive for Good. Forgive it's for Good. Dr. Fred Luskin. Okay. It's fantastic. It's mm -hmm. such a good, succinct, well-written book about forgiveness um, and how important that is. And I think one of the main themes that you and I have both talked about when we've had clients who are betrayed is that feeling of just struggling with being able to forgive because... There's that sense of, if I forgive that person, it's kind of giving them the green light, like it's okay what they did. And just trying to translate into your own brain what forgiveness actually is, um, is a very difficult kind of thing to wrap your head around. Once you get it, you get it. But it, it is a hard one because you're not saying that what they did was okay. You're saying that for your own sanity and your own mental health, you're going to let go and move forward and take care of yourself. We'll put a link to the book in the show notes at affairhealing.com slash podcast. But uh, read a quote from the book. Give them an idea. Okay. Lots and lots of good ones in here. But this one I thought was great. Basically, it's under the little subtitle, What is Forgiveness? So it says here, Forgiveness is the feeling of peace that emerges as you take your hurt less personally, take responsibility for how you feel, and become a hero instead of a victim in the story you tell. Forgiveness is the experience of peacefulness in the present moment. Forgiveness does not change the past, but it changes the present. Forgiveness means that even though you are wounded, you choose to hurt and suffer less. Forgiveness means you become a part of the solution. Forgiveness is the understanding that hurt is a normal part of life. Forgiveness is for you and no one else. You can forgive and rejoin a relationship or forgive and never speak to that person again. 
Sometimes just deciding to forgive can be all we need. So that's it for our first convo. All right. Yeah, we'll try to do two or three of these a month in between our longer format podcast. But until next time, bye-bye. Bye. Bye.